Before we begin, we wanted to issue a content warning for this week's episode. There is a frank discussion of sexual violence, assault, and trauma that some may find disturbing. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> That was nice. That was lovely. We're doing it. We're singing. One day we're going to harmonize. I feel it. Yeah. Well, one day we'll like plan what we're going to say and do before we actually (laughs) start recording. Yes. (laughs) You know, I feel almost 160 episodes in. We we might want to start planning. I know. We might want to get our act together. (laughs) Um. Uh, how are you doing? You said you have family visiting? I do. I have my sister visiting um, from mm-hmm. the city of Lost Wages. Um, ah. I haven't seen her in about a year and a half, so it was been nice. We're all fully vachined. Va- right, vachined. Uh, we're all fully uh-huh. vachined, so it was nice to spend some time with her. Um, mainly because... Uh, well, not mainly, but like one of the fun things that we do when she's in town is that uh, we get together and we play spades with my parents. Oh, yeah. I think you've talked about this before uh, to me. Maybe not yes, here, but yes. yeah. Um, and her partner is my dad. My partner is my mom. Um, so I'm hoping that before she leaves in a couple days, we get more. Uh, we get a few more games in. Is that always you don't like switch? It's it's always like that, it, or at least it's been the most success that way. Um, because my parents are the more experienced spades people, so if they were partners, it wouldn't be. Um, no, I mean you said you you always play with your mom and she's with your dad, but you don't play with your dad and she plays with your mom. No, because you know that's boys versus girls, and we're not we're not about that binary. So ah, I see, <laughs> I see. Um, I was I, I just was thinking like you what you said earlier about um, after 160 episodes, starting to like actually plan stuff of what we're gonna say. Do you ever you ever think about like maybe what if like Jason Blum like listened to like a random episode of the podcast just to see what the buzz was about because you know he's heard about us and of then it, yeah. and then it happened to be like an episode where we had nothing planned and it went off the rails and then he was like ah eh, that's okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't think about things like that um, I try not to think too much about how many people are listening or who might be listening. Oh, okay. Otherwise then then I get too like in my head about that. So, we thank you for listening, dear listener. The person that's all I care about is the person listening right now. Yes. You are the important person. But the other people <laughs> and who they potentially might be, we're trying not There to- are no other. That's the great yeah. thing about this. That's why it's like we're just talking to our one listener, the one the person whose earballs this is in right this second. Mm-hmm. You, 
you are special. Mm, mm. And see, and then it, we're saying it to everybody. See? <laughs> Behind the scenes. <laughs> um, you didn't um, comment on my yeah. new glasses. I was going to ask if they were new, but then I was afraid you'd be like, no, I wear these all the time. And then I would have felt like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, they're brand new. I got them on my okay, birthday. Yeah. They're like silvery. That's right. You had a birthday. Happy birthday again. Oh, belated now. Also, I um, I realized that I said a huge mistake last week. I said that as of oh, as of airing the promising young woman, uh, the promising young woman episode, we would know who the winner was for best picture. The Oscars were yesterday, not today, not then. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Um, I did not catch that because I did not know when the Oscars were, and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's that's so. well within. And it's about here where we lost the recording. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Joe. Um, so we lost a huge chunk of the recording at this point. Um, we have no idea why we're just as baffled as you are. Um, We've been doing this remotely successfully using the same stuff for the last year with no issues. But, you know, of course, maybe this is uh, the universe's way of saying that it's time for me and Joshua to just be in the same room every single time together. So who knows? Um, The point is you're, you're missing out a very rich conversation about Mortal Kombat and us talking about our various experiences with that. So um, sorry about it, but thankfully the second half of the episode uh, did not have any issues. So we hope you stick around and enjoy our thoughts coming up on uh, Hunted. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. So today we are doing, we are wrapping up our final episode in our uh well not our final episode in our fairy tale series uh we will have some other uh future series that uh examine other fairy tales and their influence on horror culture but today we are finishing this run looking at little red riding hood in the horror film and uh we watched hunted uh which is belgian french irish survival thriller film yeah. Uh, directed by Vincent Perrineau, uh, written by him and a Lea Pernole. Pernole? Uh, not sure how you said. I was like, you you've taken the foreign language, so the European language, so Lea Pernole. Wanna Makalui, starring uh, Christian Bronchard, Lucy Debay, Sierra O'Brien, Jean Mathias Pondon. Pondon. 
uh, Kevin Van Dorslayer, and um, what's the, the other man? Arya Wolfalter. Hmm. He's done a few other things so that that I've seen him in. But yes, so this is 2020. So it just came out last year. I think it was released exclusively to Shutter in one of their deals for um, you know new horror films. This was uh, my second watch of the film, and so they never say where they are, right? So this is like another visit to vague Europe. Yes, it's very vague. <laughs> it's very vague Europe. Because, Which is, again, appropriate for, like, Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, it's very... Yeah, it, that seems to be the theme of, of Little Red Riding Hood movies, is that just they take <laughs> place in... They take place in not America. Um, it's also, like... I mean, the fact that the main villain is, like, American. Has the American right, accent. he's French, but he's doing an American accent. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to look at something real quick. Charles Perrault. So Charles Perrault wrote, you know, what we now know is like the original, like French, the first written version of Little Red Riding Hood. Um, or, you know, the grandmother, the false grandmother. Uh, and so this is directed by Vincent Perrault. And I just thought they're not the same exact name, but it's similar that I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. But anyways, so, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're, we're again in vague Europe um, with a French uh, main actress, uh, which again connects back to that original French tale. So there, there are things about this that are much more little red riding hood than in, um, you know, some of the other adaptations or kind of plays on the story. This has some really nice direct references, but also subverts a few of those references. So I'm very excited to, uh, to, to chat about this uh, film. So first of all, uh, I do want to get your thoughts because you were watching it and sent me a message. Uh, what did you say exactly? Let's, let's read it. Um, <laughs> this movie is fucked, yo. Oh, and then you corrected that as up. Yes. But I thought this movie is fucked, yo, uh, was pretty, (laughs) that was a pretty good, you know, even if you didn't mean it. I was like, yeah. (laughs) It's definitely. Go ahead. It's definitely fucked, yo. Um, What the fuck did you have me watch, Joshua? Like, this was... (laughs) Uh, I James was doing something else, so I was um, I was watching this in the bedroom, and he came in during the part where the guy, the wolf character, the wolf surrogate, is like putting his fingers in the wound of his friend, and then and he and James was like, "Okay, I'm out. I'm going back to what he was doing." And I was like, "That's not even the most fucked up thing that's happened in the Wham. film." Um, so, so yeah, like I, I had no idea what to expect. I, I realized that I do not enjoy things, films that are described as fever dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a few of those in the series, which uh, for me, I love a fever dream type film, you know, I, I, fever dreams are like, like the word, I don't like fevers. So why would I want to watch like <laughs> a fever play uh, portrait uh, play out? Um, also, full disclosure, I was like a little hungover um, because I did drink a little bit yesterday, um, or a lot of it. What I you know, never drink. I know a lot of it for me, I should say. Um, and 
it was very, um, it was even more of a, of a journey of an experience to watch this, uh, not being, having, not having full command of my faculties. Um, so I would definitely not watch this again. Um, but it was also like for our purposes and us not being a review podcast, like I could see, like, I could see the kind of anxieties that it reveals, but I, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it was, it was really fucked. <laughs> well, all right. So let's, like, we'll chat a little bit about the, the movie then. Um, so at the beginning we have a, uh, the reviews and 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 uh, pieces that I read about the movie interpret that beginning as like her with her mother. So it's like her as a child with her mother telling her this story about um, Nicodemus in the woods, you know, with the you know they're starving, and so they decide to sacrifice this young girl uh, to to eat her, uh, but the forest saves her the wolves save her you know so we have this immediate subversion of that like uh big bad wolf tale mm-hmm. that, that instead the forest usually a place of danger and darkness uh for young women and girls uh becomes a refuge and becomes a, a savior so I, I thought right off the bat even though this is using very strong little red riding hood imagery uh we kind of already get a little bit of that subversive but again i like that it's you know, a mother passing this story, this warning on to her child uh, around a campfire, you know, immediately kind of setting up that, you know, what we've talked about with fairy tales being, you know, like the horror film of the, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to, to get establishing, you know, morality, establishing rules of survival, whatever it has. So then we're in the present with uh, Eve. She's actually one of the few named characters because we only know that somebody alex is calling her because of the um the uh, caller id but everybody else like the cast is listed as the foreman the accomplice the barman eve's boss husband real estate agent the handsome (laughs) that's the wolf Mm. uh kind of the wolf again it's sort of yeah we're kind of playing with that uh, imagery again here. So she is, I'm not exactly sure what kind of job she has, but she's in this vague European country. She's in some sort of like vague industry as well. Yeah. Yeah. There to do some sort of, um, I don't know if it's a, uh, what do you call that? Like a uh, inspection or an audit or something. Mm-hmm. But regardless, she decides to go out, you know, have herself a good night, have a drink at a bar. She gets bothered by this guy who won't take no for an answer. When this other man steps in to like save her ostensibly, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, tell the other guy to back off. So there, ha- you know, she it's like, okay, well this guy's cool and seems chill. So let's hang out and chat and dance and let's go outside and make out and let's get in your car. Oh, and, and then what happens? Dancing, huh? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't, the flailing. listener cannot see it, but it was flailing. Flailing is the best way to describe it. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's very true. Uh, flailing, dancing. That's just, I guess, how they do it in vague Europe. You know, don't make fun of their culture and customs, Joe. <laughs> 
Big Europe is very, uh, you know, vague. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Anyway, so they get in the car, you know, doing whatever. Then this other guy that they saw in the bar gets in the front, driver's seat of the car, locks the doors, and takes off with them. And then we find out, uh-oh, she's been trapped in this bizarre uh, plot. To, I, I, you know, he's like a... Um, so the handsome that seemingly rescues her has this camera and he makes some sort of horrific, violent snuff films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's going to be their newest actress in one. Um, so then what, uh, after that, <laughs> I've seen the movie twice, but I can't, what happens? Uh, she convinces him to drop her off in the middle of nowhere. And she walks to like a gas station that this was the part that was so strange to me. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, just like run, 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 run. But she kind of hangs out. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, when you're being threatened, uh, you, you you never know how you might respond in a situation. But uh, yeah. the men show back up at the gas station or the convenience store kind of thing. Which, um, hold on, pause. The, yeah. the, the most insane, like, why did we need to know that, like, the whole thing about the gas station attendant being like this, like, China file and like trying to learn like <laughs> mandarin and like the chinese are going to be our new lord and masters like all of that stuff i was like i know i'm focusing on this too much but it's such a strange and twisted detail because you know and then she's all he's all like oh i'll take you into town and she's like yeah thank you and i'm like girl haven't you learned nothing like there are men the men are trying to get you and like this guy who's like this crazy Chinophile. Um, but he was also wearing a red coat. So I was like, Oh, maybe the symbolism of the red coat means that he's okay. So I don't know, but yeah, definitely uh, there, there was too much <laughs> spent on the whole, like everything is made in China gas station that she was at. Yeah, it was an interesting little diversion. Uh, (laughs) The movie's only like 87 minutes long or something, Mm -hmm. so they got to make up time somewhere. Uh, The whole... That whole endeavor was strange uh, of actually letting her out just to pick her up again, but I I get that that's probably just part of their game. Yeah. uh, That they're playing, you know, to freak her out and, you know, to make her as upset as possible. That's obviously what they're getting off on. Mm -hmm. uh, The fear... So they show back up, uh, the handsome comes in again and, you know, Tonser is an asshole in general, uh, murders that poor guy, mm-hmm. we assume, um, or at least, you know, really injures him cause there's blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and so they kidnap her again this time they throw in the trunk and then they have a very strange, the two men have a very strange interaction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the, like the homoeroticism of this was a little out of like left field because I'm like, what is happening with this guy? You know, so he's making these horrible like snuff films where he's murdering women. He's obviously, you know, a misogynist. He makes a lot of comments about, you know, a hatred of women, but he's asking, you know, people to tell him that they love him, uh, including this man that I guess. I, I, he calls him his brother at first, but obviously he's some kind of either a client or, you know, has paid for this experience or is asked to have this experience to like murder a woman, mm-hmm. participate in this film. But he's like got, uh, you know, cold feet now. He doesn't want to do it. 
and then the handsome makes him kiss him, and then they wreck the car. <laughs> well, before that, he says, "Why? Why did you like? I don't have AIDS." He immediately goes to AIDS. <gasps> oh, right, yeah, because of the drink. They were sharing yeah. a beer or something, and he wiped it off. That's right. I was yeah. like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, and 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 they share a kiss, and then they get they run over a boar. I think it is right. Yes, I mean they hit something and they they totally wreck the car so much that they pop open the trunk and she's able to yeah. to get out or, or something somehow she gets out of the out of the trunk that, that that they're in. So yeah, a couple weird things there because I you know I'm not sure what they're trying to say. Like, are these queer men that are like murdering women mm. for fun? But then there's also you know like rape in the film. You know they don't show too much of the film, but it's obviously very. Very rapey, very gross, very violent. Uh, We hear sounds and there there are flashes of imagery, but it's not. uh, I didn't think it was too much. Like just, you know, you knew what they were doing. Um, So, yeah, that whole thing was strange. I was like, I'm not really sure what this is, what what we're supposed to take from this. Um, You know, except that this guy is very disturbed, obviously. (laughs) At the end of the day, uh, he's got his, uh, he's confused. So anyway, so they wreck the car, they're in the woods, she escapes and takes off into the woods, bound, and has duct tape across her face. So she's like, you know, hell-bent on survival. And they pursue, right? They pursue, um, and they're hunting, and we're, I guess we're made to believe that maybe she's in that, like, vague Europe forest from that Nicodemus. Right. That Nicodemus. Yeah, it's like a magical. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, sort of magical place. I just love that. Like <laughs> the, if you have like an, like a, a figure in a store, if you're, if the whole movie begins with once upon a time, there wasn't a man named Nicodemus, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's going to be fucked up. Like he's yeah. a zealot. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So they're, they're going off. They're doing. She's trying to find her ways, um, uh, their ways and everything. Um, the assistant, the accomplice, whatever the fuck his name is, yeah. gets killed in like the worst way with duct. Like the duct tape stuff was really difficult to watch. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, so she's running and like she's bound, and of course they like catch up to her, and she like, what does she do? She kicks him or she hits? I mean, she like mm-hmm. breaks his nose, and then he's all crying about it, yeah. like, oh, you know, my poor nose, the, the accomplice that is, mm-hmm. and then uh, the handsome. <laughs> I'm just that's what I'm saying <laughs> because that's what it says. Uh, yeah, it says he's gonna help him, and then he like duct tapes his like face all up so he can't breathe, and then like kills him. Yeah, it was that it was intense that whole like sequence of events. And then it's basically cat and mouse. Um I did like the uh that weird sort of interlude with like the mother and her son out camping. She's like teaching him survival skills, but they played with time. So I yeah. thought that was cool. That's I I like that in movies when they kind of twist around, you know, so we we see a little bit the future and then it like jumps back to explain that, you know, the handsome got there and, you know, mur- that was sad. I didn't, you know, when he murdered the mom, she was mm-hmm. cool. I was hoping that she was kind of, so I was like, I don't know. I know if- they were playing with that grandmother kind of thing, you know? Well, I don't know if this was like, I don't know if this was just 
me being hungover and having like a nascent headache. But like, I thought that the, that young boy and the mother were the characters from the beginning. I didn't pick up that until you just said it, that, oh no, it's like, that was her. That was meant to be her. So, well, that was the interpretations I read when I first watched the movie. That's also what I thought. And because then I was confused because I was like, do they live in the woods for years? Uh, because mm-hmm. you know, he's got like headphones and an iPhone and you know, he's doing all these things. And so it's like, well, clearly they don't, they're not woods people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then when I was reading the, you know, stuff in preparation for discussing it, they kept making the, the several of the articles referenced that that was in the past and that that was her, t- you know, telling her this, you know, her mother telling Eve this story. And so she remembers it and remembers that the woods will. I, I think the handsome, I think the handsome is definitely gay or is repressing something because like the way he came for that kid. Um, yeah. Where he was like, you're watching porn. And I'm like, you are like a stranger <laughs> and to immediately come all hard and be like, a, you know, no pun intended, but like you're watching porn and it's okay. And all this stuff. And the dumb, like his way to have relations with men is to a force them to violate women. Right. Right. And and it's that, and and that was like, oh, because I. That's when I started to like really kind of get interested in where this was headed, um, with all that stuff. Um, yeah, no, I think that's one of the themes of this. Definitely is sort of like how men, how like, so we have kind of a, a microcosm at work here, you know, with like the man, you know, this the handsome or whatever, kind of being this agent of like violent misogyny, patriarchy, sexism, and you have this guy who like, you know, probably watched one of these videos or watched like violent pornography and thought, oh, I want to do this, I want to like, you know, help make this kind of thing, and then he's like you know, backing out and the guy's like, no, you know, you have to do it and you're going to feel so good. It's going to be so awesome. And then in turn, like, and then later in the film with this young boy, kind of the same thing, he immediately starts referring to women in very negative, you know, nasty terms and, you know, that they kind of, this is what they deserve or, you know, reinforcing and, 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 and telling him like, if he wants to be a man, basically, you know, that this is the, this is the way to do it. Uh, and then kind of, you know, then we have that whole scene where once he recaptures Eve mm-hmm. and has her tied up and then kind of puts him in this situation where he's going to that now he's figured out his film, you know, that this is what he's going to film is this like young boy assault this uh, woman. Um, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. I would say he's got to be a teenager. You know, I don't think he was meant to be 18, 19 or 20. It felt very like, Mm -hmm. again, the whole thing was very disturbing that whole sequence. Um, But yeah, that was one of the things that I, that I wrote uh, down was, yeah, how, how violence gets reinforced and taught and that, that, Mm -hmm. that it's uh, not necessarily nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> within the context of this, you know, they're in nature with like wild predatory animals, but like as humans, you know, perhaps this sort of uh, violence is not a natural state of things that we learn it and then we teach it. Yeah, um, yeah. and well, and I mean that I, I believe it is not natural. I don't think that, um, uh, you know, this sort of sexual violence is 
um, meant to be. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so we have that sort of that part of the, this, uh, conversation. And then I thought it was very interesting because she, once she escapes again, she finds herself in the middle of like this paintball fight, <laughs> which was super bizarre. But again, I think it's also setting up another, like this microcosm of like how all these men are here. They're having so much fun with their war games, you know, shooting each other. They shoot her. They, mm-hmm. you know, it's fun and games with zero understanding that she is truly in a fight for her life. For survival yeah for her life and so it's like it's fun for men you know uh this this world that we live in you know with locker room talk and just being boys and Mm -hmm. this is how we have fun it doesn't really matter that you are completely terrified and in real danger that 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 is the uh the cost the true cost of like boys will be boys uh you know and again not, I'm not trying to say anything bad about paintball. I'm just saying that the, the, that choice in this story, yeah. I felt really was speaking to that, like men in their games and women and their right to life <laughs> are, are at a crossfire often. And it's hard to have real conversations because men and the patriarchy just laugh stuff off. Like, I'm just kidding with you. You know, I'm just, yeah. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just joking, but how can women tell, uh, how, how do women know which men are, are safe and are not wolves and which ones are, you know, so you have to assume that all of them are, you know, so mm-hmm. in that, in that situation, it just, this contextualizing her having escaped several times, extremely terrifying circumstances to run into this just silly moment between men. It just, um, yeah. I just thought like, wow, this is a powerful statement uh, to some degree on culture. Uh, So the other thing, let's see, uh, I wrote a couple things down. So uh, another thing here is in in this, uh, when we go back to like little red riding hood and we, it's always, you know, little girls in the woods, dangerous place to be. Here comes the big bad wolf. Uh, you know, he's eating your grandmother, he's going to eat you. But in this film, they kind of take that imagery and twist it a little because it's like man um, becomes the wolf, yes, to some degree, but really like man, this, this, like man is man uh, in the worst sense of that word. You know, this predator, this sexually violent, misogynistic, mm. you know, dangerous creature. <laughs> the most dangerous things in the woods are him, you yeah. know, and, and, and his kind. And so the wolf gets turned into this like, um, symbol of female empowerment, you know, this symbol of, of, of nature siding with womankind and coming to her defense. And the dog that's in the movie later is called Lobo, which I thought was, you know, yeah. hilarious mm-hmm. and a little nod to, you know, Wolf. <clears throat> uh, so I like how the movie played with that, too, in that that that. Yes, this man is the wolf in that, you know, sort of reading of Little Red Riding Hood, but not really like, you know, uh, men are trash sometimes. <laughs> A lot of, you know, a lot of men are, are can't, you know, not, I mean, I don't really know. I don't know what the statistics is. Who knows? We don't, you know, know deep in the heart of everybody who they really are. But I'd say given uh, the the situation, 
we have on our hands. Uh, a lot of guys are bad, um, yeah. or at least are not uh, are, are divested from um, ending the bad things yeah. uh, because of either their own safety, their own privilege, their own whatever. Um, there isn't uh, an investment in changing that and challenging their brothers and, and other and other men. <clears throat> so, you know, it's. What was my point? Where was I going with that? <laughs> my point being that, yeah, she is in danger, very real danger from the human monsters rather than the wolves in the forest, which again has always been the the tale of Little Red Riding Hood. It's not like a warning that like wolves may kill you, although they may. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, certainly. But it, it's been about human monsters. It's just, I like kind of playing with the imagery of like him, you know, him being the wolf, but not really. Cause the wolf is a good thing in this, you know, the wolf comes to, to her defense. Um, the dogs, uh, let's see. Um, yeah. And the woods being this kind of usually dangerous place, but she uses it sort of as a haven and, and hides in it and kind of tries to use it to her advantage, yeah. uh, when, when hunting them. Yeah, and I like that kind of scene where it seems like she becomes feral almost. Like she just starts screaming and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like if I'm going to die, I'm taking this motherfucker with me. And that whole sequence of like when when the handsome is like kind of lost in the woods and I don't know if he's like hallucinating. He's been shot with an arrow. That young boy, hey, standing up for uh, what's right, yeah. shoots him with an arrow and tries to shoot him again. He's trying to help. He's the woodsman uh, in that regard. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, he does kind of fill that role, uh, trying to come to her aid. And uh, so the handsome, he's kind of wandering through the forest, uh, hallucinating a little bit. And he thinks that he's like hallucinating her. And she's like running full tilt at him and just whacks the shit out of him. Oh, I love that scene. I was like, yes, do it. Um and then it, they have like that whole kind of like tussle in the woods, but then they end up in this like development area yeah. with like a new house. That whole sequence was strange too. Like the end of the film where they're, where they burst in on this poor couple who are seeing this new house that they want to live in, in this beautiful area where everything's perfect and peaceful. And then why this woman, <laughs> wild woman and, you know, man burst in the house and just start tearing things up trying to kill each other. <laughs> I love that whole disruption. You know, we're disrupting the norm. Like this is, um, you know, nowhere is safe. You know, you could build all the new houses and put up fresh coats of paint you want, but danger, danger's lurking there. And uh, like the realtor the like called ass, <laughs> like he left them behind. Right. He's um, like, fuck this. It's like, there goes your commission, dude. Like, yeah, no, exactly. This is not uh, this is not a good selling day. Probably, no. uh, <laughs> he f- fled and and never returned. He he quit uh, real estate and uh, went into um, hiding. Uh, <laughs> yes, he went into hiding. Perfect. <laughs> but I just love that sequence where you know they are fighting to the death, and she's like barehanded, like strangles him to death. Was very was satisfying you know but fair but again that feral sort of thing of her like having to get to this very um visceral place yeah. mm-hmm. within herself uh to 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 take him out and the and the like 
in the bedroom, but like it's it's again it's the fever dream thing of like we don't know where you are, and then you realize that like not only are they in the house, but they're in the bedroom with that like scenery of the forest in the background, which I thought was real. I thought that was a really cool way to kind of play with um, time and location. Yeah. Um, and especially like it puts her back in the woods, so to speak, with the wolf there. And so right. it's like a fulfillment of the Nicodemus thing where like Nicodemus, the wolves save the girl, but in this regard, the girl saves herself herself. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. This is definitely one of those uh, takes where, you know, writing hood is not going to be a victim. And we've seen that, you know, in a, in a couple of the films that we watched in mm-hmm. this, in this series. But, you know, the, when you look again at that original tale, the wolf eats, Wolf, the wolf wins out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as evil often does, as as bad things ha- do happen, and you know people are you know survivors of of terrible crimes against their person. So, uh, I think that the Red Riding Hood story is like a revenge film, or as or I mean, as an avenue for revenge telling or uh, conversations about rape culture. Uh, conversations about the predatory, you know, the, the monstrousness of men mm-hmm. of mankind, even beyond, uh, you know, cause we can, when we talked about promising young woman in the ways that, you know, women can also uphold, um, dangerous ideology. No. Uh, and, you know, and again, it's there, there, it's always great when you can, um, I, I was just uh, reading uh, this piece, uh, working on a project about uh, Audrey Lord, and she had this uh, piece about how, you know, we, of course, can fight for equality and we can fight to change the system. But, you know, one of the big hurdles is figuring out how to un do the pieces of the oppressor that are within us mm-hmm. that 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 is one of the big hurdles as well and and recognizing that 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 all of us kind of can internalize you know the isms uh, against us when you were you know either queer people who internalize homophobic ideology or women who inter- internalize misogyny um you know movement social justice groups that you know can't help but imitate you know the larger structures that we're trying to uh to break Mm -hmm. uh, because we don't know any that's what we know that's the blueprint we have is how it's always been uh so i i think that this the point of kind of examining red riding hood within the terms of like women empowerment or feminism or you know undoing misogyny I think it's coming from that sort of that the, all of those places, yeah. you know, talking about like how, how women save themselves, but how we also want to create a world where they don't have to anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I thought this was a fun movie, you know, um, kind of fit with the theme. Uh, I thought it played with some of the, like the iconography, the archetypal like imagery that we're used to seeing when it comes to red riding hood, obviously her red jumper, like you mentioned earlier, uh, that's very obvious. Although I would have ditched that thing if I was in the woods very quickly. Cause we stood out, (laughs) but it was also cold and wet. So, Hey, you you do what you got to do. 
Um, and again, like I said, kind of subverting like the woods, it's typically this dangerous place. And, uh, you know, the movies, you know, like when we watch the, the red riding hood movie, obviously that's, you know, the thing, like be safe in the village, don't go beyond. Uh, but in this, it just kind of plays with that by, by kind of giving her the opportunity to get the upper hand on her assailants because, because she's in the woods and she can kind of use that to her advantage. Um, yeah. I don't know. Any other thoughts on this one? Oh, it's uh, listener. If you do watch it, it's on shutter. It's, it's fucked up. Get ready. (laughs) Um, but I hope that like, I actually hope that you listen to our conversation before you watch it, because then this is one of those situations where it's like, I think that your, your, I think that your enjoyment of the film could be added to because of what we just talked about. Like, Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, so, so yeah. So there you go. But um, I probably will not watch it again. I'm surprised you watched it twice. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had watched it out of enjoyment. Then we were talking about doing this, like, and and I do. I try to go back and like rewatch and like make notes and because I didn't make notes the first time. I was just watching it for fun mm-hmm. and and I'd watch this and then I watched Red Riding Hood and then I was like, we should do this for a series. Uh, so kind of inspired the whole thing nice (laughs) um yeah um i i think that there's still a lot that could be could be done with this um with red riding hood itself yeah um i think that um we we i think we need to see a, a very queer telling i think we're we're due for a very queer telling of this um, whether that, you know, and, and, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that manifests in the next, in, in, uh, in upcoming. But, um, I thought that like the Red Riding Hood fairy tale really lends itself to horror because it was also speaking to like the very real horror of like invade, like that idea of like an intruder, like, you know, right. The home invasion kind of trope. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but you kind of get with this film at the end when they invade, you know, total strangers to house with their with their fight. Uh, but obviously, you know, anytime you know you have this monstrous entity, yeah, uh, it's also that you know the the call is coming from inside the house thing as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which which is is fun to is fun to play with and and um, see in in horror movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think that this isn't, uh, it's definitely not a dead idea for, you know, uh, for um, adapting from, yeah. you know, there's been lots. I mean, we didn't even touch, you know, and there's so many more out there that, you know, play with this uh, imagery, uh, you know, this little red riding hood sort of ideology. Uh, but yeah, I would be curious to see, how it continues in the future. Yeah. You know, and, and especially as we continue to have uh, conversations about gender, uh, gender-based violence uh, and, you know, empowerment, feminism, you know, as, as all of those things continue to, to grow and evolve and, and have that effect on horror, like we're seeing and, you know, other, in other uh, social justice movements. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all righty. Well, um, this was fun. It was good to see you. It was good to see always. you. Thank you for another eye-opening horror experience. 
Uh, I was going to make a, uh, a comment. So uh, Saturday, this past Saturday was Independent Bookstore Day and the San Diego uh, Book Crawl, uh, which was virtual this year. Although, I mean, I, some indie bookstores were open, uh, but I uh, supported uh, Mysterious Galaxy because, again, I'm just a student right now, you know, so I got to spend my money carefully. <laughs> but I did order a couple of Grady Hendrix books that I didn't have yet. And I also ordered a special um, independent bookstore day version of In the Tall Grass by Joe Hill and Stephen King. Oh, so nice. I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is just a, a plea to, you know, support, buy local, uh, support bookstores, read. Uh, I love, there's a, a John Waters quote, who just, he had a birthday as well this past uh, week or last week. And, uh, you know, he said, if you go to somebody's house and they don't have books, don't fuck them. <laughs> so, you know, read, buy books. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Joe. You're like, no. I'm well, I, do I, <laughs> I don't know where I heard that quote, but I did. I do have that same quote and I do have books. I know, oh. I know. I'm just teasing you. But, you know, I just want to encourage people to go out and support their local bookstores. If you're here in San Diego, Mysterious Galaxy is awesome, full of great horror and, uh, you know, sci-fi books, fantasy. Uh, they're, you know, sort of niche that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I did also pick up a, a copy of this book called The Living Dead. It's like a, a collaboration with George Romero. Ooh. Um, from I, I'm guessing a, a few years ago, but uh, I, I picked that up too. I'm looking forward to reading that. So yeah, my to be read pile is huge. Uh, if you want to see more from uh, you know books and and recommendations and such, you can follow the West Craven Memorial Library on Instagram. We have a new offshoot page where I post books and uh, other little bizarre things hidden here in the. Uh, in the library <laughs> collectibles oddities yes yes uh but other than that that was kind of the uh last thing i wanted to throw out there and plug um you know nice happy reading happy, happy hunting yes <laughs> all right joe well uh as always thank you this was super fun Perfect way to spend, um, you know, an hour or so with you. Yay. Yay. And you, dear listener, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, as always. And we will be back next week, right? Yeah, hopefully. Yay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davey Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.